I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week... I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast, which is episode 228. Before I tell you of this week's guest, I'll just mention that next week's episode, which features Junior Tomlin, is the last in the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail series of podcasts, which means the ones that I'd recorded in the spring and early summer, which I'd put on polls because of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail series, will now start to ease their way back in. And this, episode 228, is one of those. And this is also, well, sort of part of the series. Since I started this podcast back in 2018, the very tight-knit group of four L13 artists were on my radar to be a part of this podcast. And it wasn't until the start of this year that I was able to record with the first of those, being Billy Childish, then Steve Lowe, this episode, which is Jimmy Courtney, and the last in that quartet, Jamie Reed. I was down to go and record with him maybe a month ago, but on the morning we were set to record, he phoned me up and said he wasn't feeling too good that day. But we're in the process of rearranging it. So yes, today I'm taking you to meet Jimmy Courtney. We recorded it in his studio. He did jump into the view of the general public by being one half of KLF. He'd done loads before and has done loads since, which we obviously talk about in this. He mentions his Brit Award and what he'd done with it. I'm in my studio and it's absolutely hammering down. So if you can hear a, a strange noise in the background, that's what it is. And I think it was the weekend before we spoke, he had just planted 
planted his Gurdy stone, which already was full of myth and mystery. He also spoke of his book release, which in true Jimmy Courty style was out the back of a van. And to get your own copy, go over to his Instagram profile, which is towerblock1 or L13 Light Industrial Workshop. And if you go to Jimmy's Instagram profile, you will see a, a link to his shop where he sells the now infamous Riot in a Jam Jar and the Smiley Police Shields, which I was lucky to see both in the making. But anyway, let's get away from this rain and go and speak to Mr. Jimmy Courty. have a chat really yeah sure i have seven questions okay. here that i ask each yeah. artist okay and the first being how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work okay hang on get my brain working <laughs> well i suppose i suppose i would say that i i make lots of things all the time there's very rarely any gaps in me making things. So, uh, uh, you know, some of those things are like visual. Lately, it's been more sound. Yeah. But going right back, yeah, I'd say I'm just, you know, standard artist making stuff. Well, going right back, where was home growing up? Well, I was born in Heswell in the Wirral. Yeah. And then... Um, then my parents moved to the Midlands and then then to Devon. So, yeah, mostly in Devon, around Totnes, Dartington, in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dartington having yeah. A, a fairly good art school as well, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah, there was, a, there was a school there, Foxhole it was called, and I was at the local comprehensive in Totnes and I had quite a few friends at Foxhole. And... Um, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to persuade my parents to send me there because <laughs> they could, like, make up their own rules. They didn't yeah, actually have proper yeah. rules. They, they all had really long hair and took drugs and had a great time. Yeah. And the comprehensive was incredibly boring, but my parents didn't have any money, so that didn't happen. Um, but, yeah. But you knocked about them nonetheless. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good place to hang around. When I was speaking on here, we had... Um, do you know Pauline Amos? Um, who, who is that? She's a, a visual artist. She was at um, Darlington. Was she? At the, at the art school? Yeah. Yeah. And then just two days ago, there's a um, comedian called David Earl. I mm. don't know if you know him. I was chatting to his wife and she was at Dartington the same time as her. Which, yeah. I mean, I have no idea what year that was. So. Yeah. It's a bit of a pointless conversation, really. But it's funny yeah. how in a matter of three days, I've spoken to three people in mm. and around Dartington. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was quite a big deal, I suppose, when it started, in, you know, way back. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really go back these days very often. Did you always have creativity in the home? Um, yeah, I suppose, yeah, my dad was sort of, like, into making things. He made, well, he did do some kind of painting as well, but he was mostly interested in doing like fake antiques, <laughs> uh, you know, making things look like really messed oh, up and old. Selling them and, <laughs> and selling them, 
Yeah, and sending them. So yeah, yeah, he hooked up with this guy, and they opened like a fake antiques or forgery antiques. There's a bit of a difference. Yeah, there is a difference. Yeah, well, it yeah. Can be a very yeah, it's a fine line. line. Um, so yeah, I mean, he 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 was always making things. So I guess I was sort of influenced by that. Yeah, but I don't I don't know. I mean. Sorry, I'm not being very helpful. No, that's, that's quite all right. We had, a, we had a guy on here and I popped in to see him last week. Um, I do some prison visits and workshops. Yeah. And I was doing, I was down in Lewis and there's a guy who's been on here called um, David Henty. And uh, he's an ex-forger. He's now a cop. Yeah. But when I popped in to see him before the talk, we went into his studio and um, it was just... Yeah, there was a cantaletto, a Banksy. Yeah. One of these. You yeah. know, there was about four billion pounds worth of artwork in his mm. in his front room, you know. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I am sort of influenced by the idea of, like, copying or faking things, you know. You know, the KLF band was, wasn't really a real band. It was a kind of made-up one. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the stuff we do with the L13 is sort of, you know, it's not really necessarily real, you know, it's... It might look real, but oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going Which down just, a rabbit hole it's there. It's just sort of repurposing imagery and ideas and mixing them up and making yeah. collage out of yeah, I guess so. Out of concepts and yeah, and visual work. The KLF. I, I love the idea that the KLF stood for whatever it stood for on whatever day you was asked. Mm. I, I did like that idea. Yeah. And was there a an idea behind it from the start? Well, I mean, it started out as, as the jams before that, yeah. and it kind of morphed into the KLF. Um, yeah, I mean, again, they were like a sort of made-up band. Me and Bill were able to sort of step outside that and look at the band as if we were sort of... Yeah. They were over there, and we were sort of almost managing them. So uh, it made it easy to do because you could always, if, you could always go... Okay, well, what would the jams do, or what would the KLF yeah, do in any yeah. given situation? So, yeah, so it's like a sort of persona as such. Yeah, it was. It was like a, well, it was basically a made-up band yeah. that wasn't real. Brilliant. And so, it, it was easy for us to control that. I think when you're in a band and you you think it's a real thing, you take it too seriously, yeah. then it can get a bit messy I guess but um, well actually it did get very messy with us <laughs> yeah, and I'll take that back times. yeah <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah I mean it wasn't real you know yeah but all the you know the music with all the crowds cheering and stuff there weren't any real crowds it was all made up yeah Thinking, things like the Wicker Man you know yeah. doing that burning that Wicker Man in Scotland um, <clears throat> that was at my friend's house Francis was his parents house actually he was at Dartington uh, and afterwards his parents because they were away at the time when they came back they were like what the hell because they were like Christians and they were like what is all this pagan stuff that's been going on and like you know he got into trouble we got into trouble uh, but you know it's like I said to Francis to tell to his parents look it's not real paganism yeah. we're just we're just pretending. Yeah, just documenting. Know. It's just it's just a band making a video. You know, it's not we're not sacrificing people in the Wicker Man or anything. When did the visual work, the visual art, come in? I I did visual stuff very early on. 
it was the music thing was just a sort of uh, interlude in that really so yeah I, I well I suppose the music and the art have always been parallel but um yeah I mean when I I suppose when I did the Lord of the Rings poster that's when it really kicked off yeah. uh but then it it didn't really kick off well it did in terms of sales but I just found the whole art thing in the 70s really really boring you know it was just me in a room scratching away on a bit of paper yeah I wanted to be in a band it didn't make any sense <laughs> so so yeah I sort of pretty much gave it all up and yeah did the music thing did that all the way through to the you know 1992-ish yeah and then yeah I haven't really done any music since then um, and that, why do you think it goes in waves like that? Is it just um, you had your fix, if you like? Yeah, well, I get, well, I always usually say that, you know, I did everything I wanted to do in the music scene. Perfect. So, although I have actually started making some music recently, so I obviously haven't finished everything. So, <laughs> Is that during us a new wave coming back in? <laughs> No, not really. No, it's just it's just in parallel to the other things yeah. I'm doing, you know. So let's see what happens. I and don't know. does the music come into your visual art? I'm, I'm sure the visual art pops into the music. And yeah, the video. it's all connected. You know, on my computer, I, I've got I have all the programs open at the same time. So I'm, you know, I'm working on a video, some images, and some music at the moment, and they're all interlinked. So. I just go f from one to the other, um, you know. Yeah, it's just a, it's pretty seamless actually. Yeah. Uh, it's complicated, and yeah, I spend a lot of time looking at my computer screen at the moment. <laughs> I saw one of the um, uh, Dismalland, the uh, <clears throat> one of the big ADP pieces. Yeah. There. Yeah, that was quite a breathtaking piece. I mean, I'd seen mm. similar before, but only on a smaller scale. Yes. But, um, yeah, seeing a, mm. the big riots like that mm. in large scale was quite a thing. Yeah, yeah, that was that was very intense making that. You know. Did you make it on your own? No, I had some helpers for that. I had about five people working in the workshop. Even, even so, that's not a lot of people doing a hell of a lot of work, isn't it? No, not really. But, I mean, it took a long time. I think it was nine months or something to make uh and then the one i did the recent one the estate one that took two years to make i did, I did see on your website just last night when it said uh if you're ordering one of these please allow two yes for, for delivery yeah nobody ordered one <laughs> why is that i don't know it's like it's really you know i became like a really really good uh dystopian model village maker yeah but there's no call for it. There's no, you know, for whatever nobody, reason. nobody ordered one. <laughs> so where, where did that come in? The, the idea for those little riots? Uh, I really don't know. It just sort of evolved from, from something. Yeah. I can't remember what, but it, it is as yeah. though each of your ideas is chain linked to the next. Yeah. The yeah. I don't know where, where that happened, how that happened, but I sort of got, became the person that does the things that are anti-police <laughs> so it wasn't a plan it yeah. just happened so you know i was sort of anti-police for a long time yeah you know i'm sort of coming out of that phase now 
Um, but we did have the police come. We had a policeman only police person day down when we showed the ADP and a lot of Met police came down to look at it. Uh, but they really liked it. So that was kind of strange. Well, they're, they're the stars as much as the, yeah, they are, the yeah. writers are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they've both got their agendas. They yeah. just... Uh, yeah. Some of them cross over as well, I'm sure. Well, I mean, the, the, the actual piece itself is actually about what happens. Well, my interpretation of it, it's about what happens when there aren't any rioters and the police are taken over entirely. Yeah. So in that model, there's no, there's nobody, only the police. Yeah. So they're, they're just on their own. You know, they've got a perfect police state, but then they start to misbehave and they're the ones doing the crimes in the end and to this day yeah absolutely. I, mean, I had no idea how bad it really yeah. was you know yeah. I, I thought it was like a joke but yeah. actually yeah it's, so just that, it's real, real living yeah. and breathing yeah yeah totally offending yeah so some of the recent versions of that are sort of to do with some of the recent stories about the met and the bad behavior and everything and so, how long yeah. was it ago that you showed this to the to the old, uh, to the police. Oh, it's quite a while ago. Oh, I don't know, five years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's all in the past now. And know. did they take it that they was having the finger pointed at them, or that they were the, the they, villains, they, if you like? They, they just. I, I don't, they I don't know. Day, I don't know. Day. I don't know. There was some blatant anti-police slogans in it but they didn't seem didn't seem to notice yeah, I suppose it, they, they see those yeah. on a, a daily yeah. weekly basis yeah. don't they I don't think there was anything in there no that, uh, that was that was new to them I, I guess I'm moving away from that police thing now and where where would it be going now do you think um, well we've got a standing stone me and my friend oh I, yeah I put that up in Sussex on Friday yeah so the reason we do well, it's, it's kind of complicated, but basically I've been doing this stuff with Jem Finer from the Pogues and we sort of accidentally made a record. <laughs> Played it to a few people and then um, you know, Heavenly were going, oh yeah, we'd like to put this out. So yeah. basically to cut a very long story short, they're saying, the Heavenly was saying, look, you know, it's not really much of a story, is it, that two pensioners make a record? You know, what's... Is there anything else that you do as well? I know. So anyway, so um, it was at that point, some somehow around that time, Jem's kind of into astronomy, and he was going, oh, you know, have you heard about this green comet that only comes around every 50,000 years? And it had just come about six weeks ago. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing being that the last time it was seen was during when the cave people were around. So um, <clears throat> that got us thinking, and then we thought, okay, so to mark the passing of that comet, why don't we stand a stone somewhere, get hold of a, a big stone, you know, and put it up? So we did a lot of kind of ringing around quarries and stuff, and eventually found this huge bit of like Welsh slate which was like well it is 12 feet long and about four feet round kind of really kind of jagged thing bought that from a quarry in mid Wales um, and then got it delivered 
down to Sussex. It was funnily, not, not funny, but annoyingly, it was more expensive to deliver it than it was to buy it. <laughs> but we, we spent, the record company gave us a two and a half thousand quid advance. So we spent that on the stones. Spent more getting it down to where it needed to go. We've done a deal with these uh, really nice farmers and then to, to have it on their land. So we did a kind of ceremony um, a couple of days ago. It got some contractors in to do the actual standing of yeah. it, you know, and actually the digging of the hole, because me and Jem tried digging a hole ourselves. <laughs> well, we're going to do the whole thing ourselves, but... We've got a good idea. Yeah, yeah, but the reality is, like, hopeless, you yeah. know. I mean, it's in chalk, so, you know, the wow. chalk is really yeah, hard. Yeah. So anyway, so we've got these... Contractors in, and they dug people the who hole. know what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> although they didn't, they didn't really, they never stood a standing stone before, and yeah. um, they were kind of worried that they were going to snap it in half because that they are quite yeah, brittle. Yeah. So they had a telly handler with a, you know, and sort of gradually got it up yeah, like that yeah. and into the hole and packed it all around with aggregate and sand. Um, and let me just show you this. And I, is I know it there for the long for forever or? Yeah, it's there forever. Wow. Well, for, we want it to be there for at least 50,000 years. Brilliant. So, um, so yeah, that was on Friday. And we're actually going back next weekend because we're doing a thing where we're attaching transducers to the bottom of the stone. We're saying that we're going to attempt to encode the music into the stone. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in 50,000 years, people will be able to decode yeah. it hopefully so anyway so that's like a an event and people are going to come if you put your ear up to it you can hear the music nice. kind of quietly yeah but it's very quiet you know stone is so dense so it has to be on a probably an unwindy day and quite a calm day yeah well it's next saturday i don't know what the weather's going to be <laughs> like but so yeah I mean, if, you, if you listen really hard you can hear it it sounds quite stony and how long can the music last for is it for the the track is two and a half minutes long but how long can it be pumped into the stone for only as only as long as we, we're there with a generator and a sound system pumping yeah. it in then after we've gone um it'll just be somewhere in the atoms yeah. of the stone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what we're saying we don't actually know anything um so but, it, but it'll be an event where people can come and see yeah. the stone listen to the track it's it's the launch it's the record company launch yeah. event for the so track in, in a couple of thousand years time when they're trying to figure out where this stone come from like like stonehenge they're going to go it comes from a quarry in Wales. yeah yeah they're going to go this, this must have been on a seven and a half ton truck surely <laughs> yeah you know how did they get yeah. it here? but it would cost more to get it here than buy it. yeah so so that's really um you know that the idea of standing stones is kind of for us it's taking the heat off the idea of putting a record out yeah because neither of us are really that enthusiastic about the whole music business thing these yeah, days you it's, know it's changed a lot yeah i mean we're not really even that interested in it yeah. you know i mean it's yeah the music happened by accident you know we were just messing about with something jim plays the hurdy-gurdy and he just sent me some hurdy-gurdy parts that were kind of quite chaotic yeah, yeah, yeah. and said oh you know if you get a minute just see if you can organize this into yeah. something 
And so I just chopped it up into little bits and organised it into what turned out to be a pop song, which wasn't the plan. You yeah. know, he just wanted something abstract. And is it just music or is there vocals going along it? There's, uh, well, originally there was SpongeBob SquarePants shouting in the Perfect. background. But then when the record company got involved, we were like, mm, you know, that's, I think it's Warner Brothers owns that. Yeah. So we got an impersonator in. <laughs> It's a do sponge. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know. So you've even faked SpongeBob. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for us, it's not that interesting putting a bit of music out. Yeah. It's but the Stone thing is much more interesting. So we're wanting to do another one in London, draw a line from the one in Sussex through London and wherever nice. that ends. Yeah. Probably do one in Scotland as well. So there'd be three along that line. Yeah. I mean, it's to commemorate. It was to commemorate that comet, and the comet's not coming back for fifty thousand years. So, we're still going to need a reason to do the next <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> you it's can't. You can't just do them randomly. They <laughs> no. have to have a reason. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, uh, we're pretty pleased with the way the first one went up. Yeah. And, and the way it looks in the landscape, because it's right on the South Downs. Even though I've never really liked the idea of modern stone circles. I know they did one at Glastonbury, but to me it just seems fake. Yeah. But somehow, because I'm doing it, it's okay. Of course, of <laughs> yeah. course. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, what can I say? That's, that's it, really. Well, on the, the thing of burying, you burying and reburying a brick. Yeah. That, was well, that, is that out there or no, like it's not out there yet. I think oh, it's, okay. it's I going out it's going out it's going out in a couple of weeks. Okay. When's your podcast going out? In a couple of weeks and a couple of days then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 because it that's from a book that's coming out on L thirteen. Yeah. So um, you know, I don't know whether I'm allowed to even say Okay. What it what about the book but yeah, no, everybody knows that I well, did if, it. If it's, just a, it's just an account yeah. of the night that I buried it yeah. and what happened that night um, and then how it got dug up, sent back to our radio plugger and then I had to go back the second time. Well, are you able to speak about it in detail and I'll ask Steve if it can go out at a certain date? I don't know what the publication date is on that. You'll have to ask Steve okay. when he gets back. But I mean, it's that information's all out there. Yeah. I've told that story loads of times. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard it until Steve mentioned oh, okay. it to me a little yeah. while ago. I mean, so you buried it in the on the in Wiltshire area in Stonehenge. In <laughs> in the middle of it, or yeah, in the on middle, the outside no, in the middle of Stonehenge. <laughs> and when when was that? It was must have been nineteen ninety three. It was the night. Well, no, yeah, 1993. I can't remember the dates. And then, um, then it got dug up a few months later. By accident or by you? Or? No, I don't know how. That that somebody, our radio plugger Scott Peering, phoned me up. He said, it's "Good news, your Brit's been found. Not that it was lost. Yeah, yeah. He didn't know that we'd that I'd buried it." You know, it's been handed into the police. Somebody found it in a field near Stonehenge. Near? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, you know, I'm like, how the hell did it get to a yeah, field? Yeah. It must have been dug up by a fox, I figured. Possibly. 
because it wasn't very deep. Because and the Fox was obviously not a fan of KLF. Well, there was a fan of KLF, but when it found out that we had to share the bread with Simply Red, <laughs> it just discarded it. Yeah. I didn't know this at the time, I know this now, but just under the surface of Stonehenge is concrete. Yeah. The whole thing, oh, yeah, okay. the whole thing. To is reinforce in, it. Just to stop it falling over. Yeah. So it's only about, you know, I can't remember. A foot of dirt. A foot dirt down. So I could only bury it foot down yeah. and put the turf back and everything. Um, so anyway, so yeah, Scott phoned up, da -da -da -da, come and pick it up. And then the second time I went with Bill and we found a spot that was much, much deeper, away, slightly away from the stones. So, uh, but, and that was on the night of the Brits that we did it the second time yeah. in 93. As far as I know, it's still there. And annoyingly, very annoyingly actually, the British Museum just did a big exhibition about some excavations they'd done recently over the last 10 years yeah. at the museum and they hadn't found it. Brilliant. It's not brilliant because it would have been so good if it was in oh, that exhibition. Okay. Yeah. Here's something we found at Stonehenge. Yeah. You know, it's a modern relic of a, a yeah. rite or something yeah. that's happened there. But yeah, no, that was I was really disappointed when the show opened and there was no Brit Awards. <laughs> so we'll have to wait for the next. Do you reckon they would have included or excluded it? Well, I'd like to think they would have included it. Yeah. I mean, why would you not? Yeah. I mean, where does history stop or begin? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was in the past. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's one of those disappointing things. That I mean, I, I didn't know the story, but when Steve was telling me, I was... Uh, I was chuckling a lot. And is that what the book's... No, that book is basically just about that night. Oh, okay. It describes in detail the doing of it and the leading up to it, the what what was it that would make me think that that was a good idea yeah. in the first place. So, yeah, I won't, I won't bore you with the details. No, you have to read the right. book. And is <laughs> but it's, the book, you can read the whole thing in 15 minutes. There's hardly any words in it. <laughs> it's all pictures. It's anti-book. You know, I'm more visual yeah. than yeah. that. When I spoke to Steve a, a couple of months ago, he mentioned about you doing a book release from the back of a van. Yeah, he wants to do it in Stonehenge. Oh man, that really, that really touched my funny bone. Mm. I was giggling like a little schoolboy when he told me. Just yeah. the, the thought of this book launch with obviously yourself, what you're talking about, in one of the most uh, historic scenes in the world, and yeah, it's just out the back of a yeah, out the back of a van, Del Boy style. I think there'd be lots of people doing things like that that day. <laughs> it's on the solstice, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We haven't really figured out how to do that yet. I mean, I know there's a track that runs just sort of to the west of the stones that goes right up to the army camp, and that's like a public right-of-way, so you can park yeah. quite near the stones, actually. Uh, I think if we tried to do it in the the actual visitor centre car park, their security might have an issue with it, especially on the solstice. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's just a little low-key thing, yeah. you know. We did try and show the ADP at Stonehenge, but couldn't get it anywhere near because because of the size of it, because it's 40 foot long. Yeah. And then so we showed it in a lay-by about 10 miles away, which is next to the field where the Battle of the Beanfield was. Yeah. And it was just a little lay-by there with a sort of abandoned cafe. 
and yeah, I was there for about a week. That's been touring, am I correct, to various riot sites? Yeah, riot sites around the world. Brilliant. Um, but the tour, the tour is sort of finished now, and the estate tour. Um, I mean, there was a sort of there was, Steve's probably told you this, but there was a moment about um, a year and a half ago, two years ago, when I thought, hang on, you know, there's something wrong with the business plan here, which is the plan that I have with the L13, because you know the ADP the estate cost about two hundred grand to make, the the other one ADP cost about a hundred grand to make. So that's like 300 grand that has to be paid back. Yeah. So the last few years I've spent manufacturing endless merch, <laughs> rights in a jam jar, posters, yeah. da, 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 to pay off this massive debt. So I'm saying to Steve, look, this is a terrible business plan. I get no money <laughs> for all this massive work. Yeah. Not only do I build these models in the first place, but then I spend years paying off the materials yeah. costs. What has gone wrong? <laughs> what? Why has that happened like that? And he, Steve didn't really know. You know, we just said, right, let's just stop now. And if I say to you, Steve, I'm going to make something expensive, you just say he's got to say no. <laughs> don't do it. You know, <laughs> he's got to be your parent. Yeah, he's <clears throat> just got to say no. So, so now. I'm I'm not ever going to make anything that costs loads of money because it's I can't afford it. Yeah, you know. And is it going to get sold or? No, I don't think is so. It's just going to be transient. It's well, they're up in Great Yarmouth at the moment, going rusty, sort of on the coast. So they'll, I mean, they'll stop working eventually. Yeah. You know, because I mean, this, the maintenance on those things is vast. You know. Uh, on the estate, which is basically a mobile theatre, I've had to replace all the spotlight. Oh, it's got moving spotlights. Yeah. Everything's had to be replaced, um, mostly because of there's a lot of smoke in there. Yeah. And turns out that even smoke machines aren't smokeproof. <laughs> you know, who'd have thought that? I mean, it's, it's so bad. So. You know, and they cost like, I don't know, a grand a time. Yeah. So I think we've had like four different smoke machines in there. Yeah. And now we've got like, we found one that's waterproof. So at least it's smoke proof yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, all, all the maintenance and all the gear is just like endless and really expensive. So, so yeah, so no, it's... But it was I, a really good idea at the start. Well, I mean, Steve had a really good yeah. philosophy. He just goes, look, don't even think about the money. Just do it if you want to do it. It's you know. not a bad... Well, it's as bad as it's good. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Because most... I mean, you know, L13 have been really supportive like that. Yeah. And because there's money coming in from Billy's stuff, there was a bit of a... I wouldn't call it a slush fund. But, no, but I there was, there was some yeah. money... It all goes in a pot. And yeah, the pot's yeah. for everyone. Yeah. yeah. So um, the pot is for everyone. But then it does have to be paid back. Yeah. So uh, I think it's a lesson to be learnt for me to like just try and do stuff where I can just make a little bit of money, you know, because obviously everything's getting more expensive now. Yeah. So. Um, 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sorry, how did you come by working with or being a part of L13? Uh, somebody just introduced me to them. They were having a show, or well, somebody else was having a show in their space. Actually, they were helping with it, and yeah, I just sort of like, I just met Steve and just harassed him until, <laughs> until he said I could have a show. He's a good person to gel with. Yeah, he's he an is, easy yeah. person to yeah, gel yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I used to think that doing exhibitions was a good thing to do. Yeah. A long time ago. I mean, I don't do them anymore, but. Um, yeah, that's been a really good working relationship, you know. And what is it you don't like about exhibiting? I just, I mean, I just find art exhibitions boring, you know. I'm just not that interested in yeah. the art, in art. I mean, even though I make it myself, <laughs> I'm not really, I'm not really interested in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just put my, get my head down and make the yeah. stuff, but I don't go to loads of exhibitions. And yeah. I'm not really a fan of like other people's stuff so yeah. much, so it's a bit weird to say that I know, but I'm, I was more of a music fan when I was making music yeah. than I am an art fan yeah, when I'm making yeah, yeah, art. Yeah. You know, I used to go to lots of gigs and have lots of music. We haven't got any art anywhere in the house. We don't. I mean, we do go to exhibitions because we live right next door to the Tate, pretty much. Yeah. But. I'm just really more interested in going to the cafe um, and just walking around the space than yeah. being impressed by the work or being affected by the work. But I suppose you say that, yeah, I must be a philistine. I'm just not, <laughs> not that bothered. The, the stamps, <clears throat> I'm, I'm gonna ask you if you can just sort of, just cover um, the, the idea behind the stamps. And I know it was mentioned on Steve's episode and if, if you know, for those that may not have listened to his, would you be able to, to conclude that, that part with the uh, presentation that you had to give to the GPO or the, the post office rather? Yeah, well, image. I mean, I mean, looking back on that whole situation, you know, my, our lawyers were, were defending, going to defend our case. And then one day, he, the lawyer rang up, he said, look, this really all hinges on did you scan an original stamp to get the original idea yeah. to get the thing going because I've been saying none of it's real you can't even see a face there's a gas yeah. mask over it and I said yeah yeah I did scan a stamp he said well that's that's the end of it then the case is over yeah you told me that now I can't I can't deny that yeah 
you know, we basically caved in and lost the case, and I had to pay their expenses and everything. But anyway, it's it's good to have stuff banned. Yeah. You know, it helps massively. Because I like that Steve mentioned that you'd gone and found another image that was very like yeah, the, the yeah. coin. But, it, but, the, but then, you know, if, you, if you're sort of trying to pretend something is a real thing, you can still get into trouble, even yeah. if it isn't the yeah, real yeah, thing. Yeah. Passing off, there's loads of things in this country that you're not allowed to do. But interestingly, well, it might not be interesting, but I had to use this Dick Van Dyke sample on something that I was doing. And I used uh, Fader, which is an AI program, to extract his voice from the music oh, from yeah. a Mary yeah. Poppins film. And then I used just his voice on a remix of this track that I've done. And then the publishers are going, well, we, you know, we can't. That's it doesn't belong to you. That belongs yeah. to Warner Brothers or whoever it is. And I was like, well, actually, it's not Dick Van Dyke. It's an AI version of Dick yeah. Van Dyke. And you know, there hasn't been any test cases or anything, so it, nobody knows what the situation and are you is. Happy to be the test case? Um, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It's like. It's, no, but they were going, oh, well, I don't know. The, the publishers were going, well, we don't know about this. We're going to have to find yeah. out. And they haven't got back to us. So yeah. I think there's lots of people in the music business and in every business going, asking their lawyers, what's the situation well, with the copyright? Thing. Yeah, because law know. is only law if it's happened before and been documented. Yeah, totally. And nothing's happened yet. And if yet. it hasn't, yeah. No. So, you know, the... The thing that's going to be interesting is um, if if there's a version of something that is an AI copy of something, uh, who's to say which is the authentic or original version? You know, so I, I'm thinking that if you're making things, you're going to have to blockchain it, whatever mm. it is, to prove that you are the original maker of it. Yeah. Because there's going to be like thousands of copies of it or things that are like it that are owned by whoever developed the AI I guess yeah. or who nobody knows who owns it yeah so it's all a bit weird at the moment well it's exactly like you're saying there it's, it's just duping or tr trying to dupe the listener viewer into thinking that what they're looking at is the original yeah and it isn't yeah but if if they're under the impression that it is that's the yeah the grey I mean, area, it, isn't it's, it? It's pretty difficult at the moment, and I didn't really want to do blockchain because I didn't don't like the NFT thing. But yeah. as a, but not to make money, but as a way of proving that you know maybe with all, all your music you have to put it on the blockchain instead of copyright. Yeah, yeah, it's like because copyright looks like it's it's over sort mm. of. Um, which is a good thing in some ways, but it's a bad thing if you live off royalties. <laughs> of course. So you know you got to get, you got to figure out a new way of doing it. I yeah. think. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's kind of weird at the moment. This kind of transition period from old style copyright, the idea of it, into a new blockchain version of it. But then when they crack the blockchain, the hackers, then that's yeah, yeah, out the so, window. So. Yeah. There have to be some other thing. So who would own it, do you think? Would it be the AI company? Well, the Dick Van Dyke sample, yeah, that example. Yeah, created it. I've no idea. 
I don't know. I mean, because I, I asked the program to do it. Yeah. I sort of instructed it to take that focal out. Even even though it hasn't recreated it, there are lots of AI programs that will recreate it from scratch. Um, and no, I mean, do I own it? I don't know. What does the company yeah. who made the AI or the platform that I used, you know, the internet platform that had the software on it? I don't know. It, it is annoying when somebody does copy you, but actually, I understand why you would want to copy something. I mean, the whole idea of get an idea, just imagine ideas are just kind of like floating around and you just grab one yeah. and you just say, right, now that belongs to me. But really, you know, it, well, I suppose, you know, they're just, they're, 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 just, they're just for everybody in a way, yeah. ideas. And you can sort of, you get an idea and you can, yeah, you can use some of it, but you should, pass it on and allow it whatever you've done to be out there so other people can then once, get ideas once from money it money comes into the equation well yeah then money and copyright it, comes into yeah. it and then blockchain so it's tricky to get the balance right you know you know i mean interestingly with the music thing whoever invented the music business originally it's incredible what they did you know there's a, there's a, a song and it's divided up into all these different things you've got the you know, the masters, which is the actual physical recording. Then you've got the publishing. And then you've got all these different segments of the cake that somebody has invented. To give everyone a little sauce. Yeah, and there's this whole thing called neighbouring rights, which is about a third of that cake that nobody even knew about until re quite recently. Yeah. We didn't, me and Bill didn't know about it. And, you know, so every time a song is played on the radio or downloaded, a percentage of it goes to neighbouring rights and all these other percentages of things go out. And, um, <clears throat> it was incredible that anybody could invent that and get away with it for yeah. so long, you know. But am I um, correct in thinking that all of that pie is only relevant for 50 years? It's different. It's different in America. 70 years after you're dead, oh, okay. the, the actual, I think it's the publishing goes into the public domain. Yeah. But the masters, which is the physical recording of it, that's always owned by the owner okay. forever. Yeah. So no, it's just the publishing. Then, then it becomes a folk song, sort of. Yeah. After seventy years, that's why the Beatles are freaking out because, you know, all this stuff is going to become folk that's music. That's why I had in mind. Yeah. 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 It's gonna it's gonna happen to all musicians at some yeah. point. They're gonna lose a big chunk of yeah. their income well, it's like at the moment there's so <coughs> many artists using the license free images from from the 30s and 40s that was in yeah. comic books and yeah. now the license is up they're yeah. being used for but I mean you know that, that that pie that the music business has it's all there's nothing like that in the visual world no. you know if you draw a picture of something there isn't like a cake with all the different yeah. things divided up rights that you're entitled to yeah it's just one thing just one copyright well famously i mean i was just talking about david henty's blue plaque gavin turk's blue plaque when he sold it to sachi sachi had another few made up yeah because he'd bought the original yeah therefore the copyright was thrown in the air right he was saying it was his gavin was saying well it's obviously still mine 
but there was nothing anywhere to say whose it was. Yeah, well, I mean, whenever I sold, when I sold that Lord of the Rings poster, I didn't sell it, I kept the copyright, and I kept the original, but I just licensed it to a publishing company. So that's the usual thing to do. So you, you always retain the copyright. If your if your visual work, yeah. unless you actually sell it, but I think a lot of artists, well, musical artists, are selling their copyrights now, cashing in at the last minute. Yeah, people like Dylan and stuff. Um, oh, done it recently, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You you can sell the copyrights and the masters to like one huge company. Yeah, and they give you I don't know fifty million quid, but then you have no rights or no yeah. royalties or anything you've sold, uh, you've sold cash it cow, yeah. yeah um but then i was reading this thing that though all those catalogs are massively overpriced <laughs> and that that i reckon the artists will be able to buy them back for a fraction of what yeah. they sold them for Brilliant. so um yeah it's like an nft just like it's all ago, gonna yeah. go wrong <laughs> for those companies that have bought the catalogs because that you can't you know the streaming thing and everything yeah you don't really make that much money yeah not i don't think i think they've overpriced the whole thing anyway i don't know i don't know what bob dylan's prs statements are like <laughs> <laughs> i reckon they're doing all right yeah um which piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection emotional i don't have any emotions <laughs> Uh, none, none I'm a bloke. <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? Well, there's, there's loads of emotion on this table. Yeah, no, it's I, don't, I don't have emotional. Well, what does that even mean? Is it, it, it's, it's quite an open-ended, but it could mean anything. Is there any that you've created that ended up having um, more power about them than you thought would do once it went out in, uh, in the world? I mean, I'm looking at yeah. these riot shields at the moment. Yeah. That's a quite a simple idea but when you look at what it is and i think that is an immensely powerful object for what it is what well, it represents it's a, it's a very and popular what you've turned po- it into. it's a very popular thing i must say yeah um i don't know oh, i've forgotten what the question is uh which piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection no i'm still not getting that <laughs> uh i mean that that riot shield has been a massive thing obviously yeah, it's one of my favorites. you know because it was created t- entirely by accident yeah you know because um one of our daughters was at the um uh, occupy saint paul's protest and she'd been living there and she said oh you know the police are going to evict us at the weekend and i had some riot shields knocking around and she said can we have a couple of riot shields and I was like, yeah, I'll bring some down. But I thought, oh, I'll just paint something on them before I leave just to make, you know, yeah. so they don't look like police ones. And just quickly painted a smiley face without even thinking about it. Took it down there and we were like, wow, these look really amazing. Give it personality. Yeah. Well, it just suddenly it's like, oh, my God, that. Yeah. And then when the, the night of the eviction... <laughs> It's like she phoned up and said, They're here, the police are here. And I'm like, Right, this is going to be amazing. Get a photographer and a film crew. Nice. Let's go down there because we're going to get shots of these kids on the barricades with Just smiley riot yeah. shields. How and many were there? Two. Okay. Right. So we go charging down there at about midnight or something. 
the whole place is surrounded by cops. They're not letting us in, but then we sneak in. And there's a barricade, St. Paul's in the background, yeah. police everywhere, they're on the barricade, no riot shields. We're like, where's the riot shields? <laughs> they were like, oh no, we left them in the tent. <laughs> I'm like, what? No! You know, because that shot would have been yeah, everywhere, yeah. press-wise. Um, and obviously there's always part of me that's like thinking of what the press shot would be for anything yeah. and that would have been priceless so yeah I've been ever since I've been sort of I've never really recovered from that disappointment <laughs> is so, she aware of that yeah yeah <laughs> on, a, on a daily basis totally because that was a terrible missed opportunity yeah but anyway no so um yeah, I'm still making them, still churning them out. Brilliant. My workshop's downstairs and it's full of them. Well, that's that's what they say, that if you're a, about to be attacked, even kidnapped, is make your personality known and smile. Yeah. Because it, it can make some people not want to do any harm because, oh, okay. because of that smile, because of that personality. And where you put personality on a shield... I always say that if there's going to be a massive riot, then... You know, I've let loads of people know around London. Look, just give me a ring, and I can supply <laughs> supply you with at least a hundred shields okay. at a very short notice. Yeah. But um, yeah, nothing's really the right thing hasn't come up. No. You know, obviously it's got to be something that I'm into. Yeah. But you know, and those black block people who love to fight the police, you don't seem to see them around so much no. maybe I should take them to Paris <laughs> you know, at least they put them to good use yeah. there yeah, put them the, the French are much better at it They're, they know how to have a ride yeah. don't they yeah. they're good at it yeah. you've already mentioned your um, dislike or unwant for exhibitions Yeah. one of the questions I do have here if there was you and five other artists past and present what would your mm. ideal group show be I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to do a group show with other artists. Uh, honestly, I'm not. I'm not just saying that just for the effect. I'm not. I mean, I would actually. I'm bound to say all the L13 artists. Of course, which yes. is what Steve said. Yeah, um, but anything further afield than the L13, then I'm just not really. I don't pay attention to it. I don't follow it. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I had a meeting with um, some arty people a few years ago in a pub and we were talking about um, they were maybe going to sell some of the riot shields and these two guys I was listening to them talking and they, they were talking about going all the shows they'd been to over the years the art shows and I hadn't been to any and I didn't know any of the artists they were talking about and it reminded me of two people talking about the gigs they'd been to, and I, I would I would have been able to join in. Yeah. Go, oh, yeah, I yeah. went to like that gig, or you know, saw Joy Division or whatever. So that it was that point. I realised how much I'm not interested in that world. But then that's, you know, you're saying that Billy said that, Steve obviously said that as well. All of you appear to have that same. Would it be? I don't think it's selfish, but not wanting to be a part of the bigger thing, quite comfy in in a small uh, space I, I don't know I mean I don't really understand how it works the art world you know the music business is very easy to understand you make a record 
if the public like it, it's a hit. Or, you know, if you're making pop records, there's obviously there's other aspects of the music that isn't pop, but that was a very easy transaction to get your yeah. head around. The art world isn't like that, so it's not like if all the people like your work, you've had a hit yeah. piece of work. So all the people love the Riot Shields. They're a hit, but it's not a hit in the art world in the same way. So, because yeah. everything has to be curated by a small group of people who might not be interested in Riot Shields. So, but then again, you know, if if I was inventing the art world from scratch, I'd probably end up doing the same thing. I yeah. mean, I don't know a better way of doing it. <laughs> what is a better way of doing it? I don't know. Yeah. I think for me, it's just best just to ignore the whole thing. Yeah, because it have two art worlds, like you're saying, the, the shields will sell and sell and sell yeah, as, as the stamps. Yeah. They will just constantly sell. But it's all, it's all quite low-level selling. It's not like they're going for, like, thousands. Yeah. You know, to collectors and stuff. They're just yeah. going to ordinary people who like it. Yeah. And but it's still, it will still end up on a wall by people that that love it. Yeah. It's just that it'd be looked at from slightly different, in slightly different eyes. Mm. I mean, there's a, a story that I liked about Sarah Lucas. She was uh, years and years ago before fame hit. She um, she'd done a, a group show in a squat or a you know in a house. She took the artwork there on the roof of the car, mm. put the artwork in the house. Sachi came and bought it, and then art handlers turned up with the overalls oh, right, and white yeah. gloves because yeah. its value was going into the house and mm. coming out of it. The value was was I mean, extraordinary. You know, in my, I'm like you. I mean, it would be great if I could sell work for loads of money because then I wouldn't have to worry about not having any money, and, and it would be yeah, it would be very, very, very useful, yeah. and. It'd be great, yeah. but you know, so it's not it's not happening. It's not going to happen. I don't want that to really get in the way of anything. Yeah. So, it's, like I said, I just ignore it and get on with other things. You know, I've made plenty of money from other things like the music business in the old days. So, I mean, not that there's any of that left now, but you know, I know what it's like to make a lot of money from something. It's totally brilliant. Yeah, you know. So um, let's. I'll just keep churning it out and see what happens. <laughs> see, see what direction it yeah. goes. And if you wasn't an artist, what do you think you'd like to be? Um, I think I was. Well, I was saying to somebody yesterday that I would have liked to have been a jazz drummer. Okay. But I've never done that. Uh, what else? Um, I'm too fine. old to think <laughs> And the final two, have you got anything coming up? No, nothing. I've got nothing in, on the drawing board at the moment. And where can people find what you do, be it um, online or social media? It's, it's a mess. <laughs> it's a fucking mess. I really, I don't even know. I mean, I have, you know, I've got a website, but I haven't literally put anything on it for months. Yeah. It's so out of date that it's just embarrassing. Which is jamescourty.com. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't send anybody there. <laughs> no, because it's just... It's the... <laughs> Considering throughout your career, you've been a master of self-publicity. Mm. Yeah, this is the flip side to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And Oral 13. I mean, I've got an Instagram account, which is it's got all the current things that I'm doing. Okay. And that's called Tower Block One. So I, I think I just send people there because okay. that's the thing that I 
post stuff every day on or every week uh, and that's got all the stuff about the standing stone and the music and the riot shields and everything that I do brilliant uh, but yeah I'd tell people to ignore the website I'm probably going <laughs> to just close that down because it I mean you know it's like it costs loads of money to keep them going do, do people even go to websites unless they're trying to buy a spare part for their car you well, know Instagram has, has sort of taken over that for me yeah but there was a while ago when Instagram looked a bit rocky and if someone bought it like Elon Musk has just bought Twitter yeah I wouldn't want to be a part of it yeah possibly and then where do you go yeah, you're, you've you've no longer got this. Little yeah, I, sp I suppose you're more island. independent if you've got your own website. Yeah, well, that I think is all my questions are. So thank you okay. very much for your time. Thank you. Yeah. Sh do you want to see what I'm doing? I'd love to. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. It's a podcast that's produced with the help of the listener. And if you like what you've heard, and you think you might be able to give a little support, there's two ways in which you can do it. If you go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll find a Linktree drop-down box. And in that box, you'll find two links. One is called Buy Us A Coffee, and it's pretty much that. You can make a one-off payment the price of a cup of coffee. Or... If you're able and want to do it more long term, you can become a Ministry of Arts Patreon where you can sign up to support us on a monthly basis and 100% of your support goes back into the podcast. And if you're not able to do that, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. But we would urge you to follow us on your socials and show us a bit of love that way. Either way, thanks for listening and see you next time. Ta-da. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.